I want people to eat your spoon and say, hey, 100 million plastic cutlery is being used every day. As simple as that. And challenge their friends to eat a spoon or eat a straw. And I want a good show, damn it. Great for a good show? You went awesome, yeah. Excited yeah. to talk to you, Andrew. Thank you for having Yes. Welcome to another episode of the Econ Show. I am your host, Andrew Maff, as always. And today I'm joined by the amazing Dinesh Tadapali, who is the founder and CEO of Incredible Eats. Dinesh, how are you doing? You ready for a good show? I'm good. I'm ready for a great show. Thanks for inviting me. Beautiful. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, super excited to talk about uh, your brand, your journey, all that fun stuff. Uh, I always like kicking these off with a very stereotypical approach. Um, let's pretend that no one knows who you are. And why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Incredible Eats, and we'll take it from there, okay? Sure. Um, so I'm Dinesh Tharapali. I was an engineer by background. I came to the US in 2007 for my master's in electrical engineering. And I worked for semiconductor manufacturing chips for a while. Um, and a small moment in my life pushed me towards working towards a sustainable solution for plastic cutlery. And uh, that's, I'm going to cut short the story, but we invented edible cutlery at scale that can be manufactured at scale. And once we found the product and once we're using our technical background in engineering, once we figured out how to manufacture that um, uh, without any background in food industry, I started selling this product back in February of 2019. That's when I started. And with lots of problems, I'm still uh, trying my best and... Uh, the most proud moment in my life is that we already replaced 7 million single-use plastic utensils with edible utensils. So just a little bit of our product. Uh, we, our edible cutlery started with edible spoons. Now we have edible straws and sports as well. And they are vegan, non-GM. They're just made with grains. There's no additives or chemicals or anything like that. It's just like a cracker, which is a little hard enough for you to use it as a spoon and then consume it after. And they come with both sweet and savory flavors to meet your palates. That is... It's it, your your product line is one of those things where it's like I can't believe no one thought of this before. It's it is really one of those like ah, uh, it's, it's genius. What uh what kind of uh triggered coming up with the idea? Where did the where what's the background of how you came up with this? Sure. Um. So I I had been like um, for for a, for a while I've been like very close to nature. Like I hike a lot. I used to hike a lot, and I used to be very close with nature. It's kind of partly culturally pushed on to me, saying that you should respect everything around you, not just yourself. You should take care of the surroundings and all that stuff. And that's kind of inherently with me. Like for example, even before I started my company, I maybe use like 10 to 15 water bottles in 10 years. That's it. That was like really worst case scenarios. I had to use them. <laughs> use them. So I was very cautious on what my actions are like leaving on the planet. So that has been there for a while. But what triggered me into, into this entrepreneurship, especially in the food industry, was uh, at actually an ice cream shop. 
I, I had my daughter back in 2018. Um, I had a son I mean, before that. And I took my son uh, to an ice cream shop close by to our home. And we had an ice cream. We were tired of the sleepless nights after the daughter was born and all that. And we went to an ice cream shop to have an ice cream. And suddenly I peeped into the, into the trash can because I was throwing the cups and the spoons into the trash can. And uh, a question really struck me hard. The question was, I was an educated person. I watched a lot of documentaries about plastic pollution, about climate change and all these things. I knew about all these things. But how come my action and in those 10 minutes when I ate my ice cream of using a plastic spoon and a plastic lined paper cup, how is that I was not able to implement what I know into an action? Like, why am I using it knowing that it's going to harm the planet? So the question is not about why is there a lot of plastic? It's more about why am I not acting on the knowledge that I had? Mm-hmm. I knew things were bad, but why, why am I so unbiased or why am, I, why am I so like not worrying about using a plastic spoon? So that question really triggered me. So prior to that, I was an angel investor, like prior to this, uh, 2018, I uh, invested in a couple of software companies. I lost money in one and uh, other one is going okay right now. Uh, that was also a lesson for me. I was like, let me invest that money in myself. And I was always wanted to be something more than just an employee, right? So like everyone kind of thinks in that way at some point of time in your, li- in your life. So it was also coinciding to this question. I like, okay, let me, I was anyways thinking about entrepreneurship rather than following everyone else in Silicon Valley, making another software company or hardware company. Let's do something <laughs> where it will help the planet. Let's say if it succeeds or it doesn't, because I'm a very realist. I don't, I'm not like a huge optimist in another way. I'm very realist. I'm like the best I could do. I'll do the best. I'll, I'll work my, I'll work really hard for this because it's not just for me, it's for the planet. And if, yeah. if it succeeds well and good, if it doesn't, I'm still happy because I'm already, I've already made an impact. It's not just about what I sold, how many million, how much money I made. It's more about how much impact I made, even if I fail. So that was the reason why I thought, okay, this is like a no brainer for me because yeah. It meets all my all my different uh, thought processes or all my different needs at the at the time, and that's when I started my journey to looking into the alternatives. So the first thing that I came across was the compostable, the PLA based compostable cutlery that al- already it was there in the market at the time. But I actually went to a couple of composting facilities in California, and I was surprised to learn that cutlery is sent back to landfills. Because it's a huge contamination issue for that. It's too small to sort, first of all. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's heavily contaminated. They can't really guarantee that the city is sorting well or even the, the place where you have a compost bin versus a plastic bin versus a, a trash bin. People, not everyone is cautious enough to do exactly segregate them. Even if they do, sometimes city mixes it up. So that's the reason why I realized cutlery sends back. And if you, do, if you don't really send it to an industrial composting facility, then... There's no use. It, it, it still degrades like for 500 or 600 years in a landfill with the PLA waste pool. So then I realized that's not the right solution. We need to find a better solution. Then I looked into bamboo. Bamboo is expensive first. The second thing is a lot of people don't know about this. Bamboo and wooden cut, cutlery uh, leave, I mean, for making them, to manufacture them, they, they make a lot of chemical waste, which hurts the rivers and the waters and it pollutes the rivers. Generally, people think about afterlife, like a product is used and what happens after to it. But we should always also think the starting of it because I, I don't know, there's a famous book called Cradle to Cradle. I forgot the author's name. Uh, it's been a while since I read the book. So it says you should look at the entire life cycle of the product, not just 
what happens after you use it so when i looked yeah. into the worth of the product in the, uh, the starting journey of the product i felt that bamboo and the wooden cutlery actually are not good for the planet because it creates a lot of chemical pollution and looking at all these things then i realized the solution was right in front of my eyes at an ice cream shop for ages people have been eating ice cream in cones mhm so i was like why can't we make a spoon or a fork or like a straw which you can eat so that that is how this entire thing genius yeah <laughs> was born and then I mean, it was actually not easy we had to we spent around one year in r&d and because see it was easy to make it in a lab or in a kitchen like to make the mold and try the product out but it is very hard to scale it that was the challenge because it has to have the right parameters of heat compression and and the quantity for it mm-hmm. to be in the right strength so it can be used first and uh, eaten later and we actually took a lot of hints from fortune cookie and biscotti actually fortune cookie is hard if you if you actually the shape of it or the structure of it you can actually scoop some stuff from that i mean you can't really scoop yeah. times but yeah so we we kind of un- understood and mimicked what we can depending on the products that we had and uh, being engineers we wanted to test the product when i launched it i intentionally sold less because i was getting feedback because i was not sure because this is something new people people don't know what to expect should it be hard should it be soft should it be sweet should it be not sweet all these things are a lot of different questions that i had it's not as it's yeah. not an existing product so that i can compare against and say it's good it's better with this and bet not better with this and all that stuff so that's when the challenge was we spent a lot of time we iterated like five times the current version is the fifth version i mean in the last four years but even though we sold quite a bit but we kept iterating and we understood how much like right now the acceptance rate is about 80% it's not still close to 94 95 that's what i'm aiming at it started at like mm-hmm. acceptance rate was like 60% this is the rate that people were okay with the product and like yeah. the product so that's how we iterated and all yeah that's in fact the story and how we kind of progressed towards the cutlery yeah i mean you've got what you say about 7 million of them have been used at this point right yeah for 4 years in the 4 in the last 4 years yeah i mean that's that's amazing and then you think about like you know there's there's struggles with products when they get started when they go into a really competitive space right if it's like hey you know we're just trying to stand out or we are very differentiated but it's so different that it's going to require education yeah. you went into utensils which is very difficult then you think about not only did you get into a wildly competitive space but you got into a space where if you factor in like let's say your direct competitors being plastic utensils they are dirt cheap comparatively so now you've got to be able to show like the the reasoning and the justification behind the price point so how have you been able to like continue to scale it and kind of fight through that battle of you know going up against the the plastics of the world so uh, i always look at the pricing as more like a behavioral economics rather than just pricing so mm-hmm. there are two main customers for my product or any product um like broadly speaking one who understands your product like for example in my case the sustainability eco conscious customers second the normal people who are like oh i don't care if my product, if, if if it's plastic or not plastic i, I mean it's not, it's not it's <laughs> not people might be ignorant right it's i'm not going to blame them for not knowing things so that's fine so uh there are two categories right for me in order to scale and in order to make the impact that i'm looking at 
I need to at- attract both of them, not just the people who already know what this does. So that's yeah. the reason why we added flavors and experience to it. Because let's say somewhere in in a, like a, in a Midwest or somewhere in the in the states, uh, a, a person who has completely no idea about plastic pollution goes to an ice cream shop and finds an edible spoon. I want him to choose an edible spoon like how he chooses a cone for the experience and the taste of it. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the reasons why it clicked at some places because it's not towards a sustainability angle but towards an experience angle it's kind of added it to it and people are willing to pay extra for that experience right so you get my so it's not like Good a point. plastic to a so people always pay for a cone they're okay to pay that 50 cents or a dollar for a cone or even more like yeah. on the waffle cone or whatever it is so that's where the trick that we learned as we sold because initially i was heavily focused on sustainability because that's what my heart speaks but i realized my customers or my the shops might not think of what i am thinking like so they they're looking at their how can they make more money how can they reduce their expenses so these are the things that they are thinking about so mm-hmm. that's kind of it, it's still hard i'm not denying that so thankfully we have some aquariums and zoos which are okay with it they started as a topping in their in the places and now they included it in the cost of the ice cream and they're giving by default so we did some lot of experiments to understand what the consumer wants and actually the end consumer always wants it we uh, actually hagandas did the first trial with us in 2019 um a lot of that like, like a lot of back story and how we approached them and how billy ailis supported us and all that so there's like very interesting things that happened in 2019 <laughs> before covid yeah so and during the survey 97% of the people said they wanted an edible spoon and they are willing to pay like 25 cents to 50 cents for it the data says that but the challenge is it's an additional work for all these chains to implement that and that comes over time and unfortunately covid stopped us right on tracks yeah. because uh, again the market segment is also really important i never went into retail initially my heavy focus was on food service even now uh, i'll come back to the present but but the covid disrupted everything we had an amazing traction in 2019 covid came all the food service got stopped and like stalled fortunately at the same time we got tj max coming on board and saying hey i'll order three containers don't even worry about marketing distribution i'll take the product from your warehouse and i'll do the rest i like i couldn't say no it's it's like a blessing yeah. right i like okay please <laughs> just take it so i do invent retail boxes for them i did not have retail boxes till then so since we brought them in we thought let's put it on amazon and e-commerce like shopify and all that stuff uh and shark tank came in and shark tank approached us we i want i went on the shark tank for pitching product and we had a pretty good show but the deal did not go through but the show was well i mean the, the pitch was pretty good and it we it the last 3 years has been good for retail this year starting this year i'm completely shutting down my retail because of the other thing others minus things that it has what i learned mm-hmm. price points and it's not super profitable initially you have to really you know there are a lot of like a lot of thumb rules that a person has to buy three times for the manufacturer to make money forget about distributor yeah. and wholesaler there are some of these tricks or like <laughs> which i learned myself and i thought okay forget about all this let's re- refocus completely pinpoint focus on food service it will take time because food service takes a lot of time to get in but once you get in it's like a repetitive thing you don't have to worry about uh, backfills and you know all the other yeah. uh, other retail headaches that you have but to get in it's very hard but once you get in it's it's a smooth ride after that Oh yeah. So obviously you know you mentioned you were on Shark Tank and you know I've had 
at this point, I don't even know how many people from Shark Tank have been on this show. And it's always a very interesting reasoning as to why they were on it or how their experience was and all that stuff. And I don't like harping on it because I think there's pros and cons to the show. I think that, you know, you only get to see what, like not even 15 minutes of what sometimes takes two hours. So like making you know, you get these people that see the show and then they just have a solid judgment of the business. And I go, you saw like a quarter, if that, of the actual conversation. Um, what made you go on the show in the first place? Was it, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that actually. What made you go on the show in the so, first place? Uh, the way I got into the show was very interesting too. I, uh, in one of the fancy food shows, I think it was a winter fancy food show back in 2020. The, yeah. In the January, it happened in January. Uh, what, what I do is, okay, there's another thing very peculiar about our business. We spent like $40 in four years in social media advertisement. We are, I, I, because there you go. <laughs> I'm making it sense and I wanted to be as organic as possible. I, I can mm-hmm. vouch that the 7 million I sold, 6 million is through organic outreach, not through any sales or marketing. And the other million I'll contribute to the trade shows. I visited 10, 20 trade shows in the last four years. Uh, and that's how I learned the industry, right? I'm not from the food industry. So how do I learn? I like, I have to go to the, I used to go to the shows, ask me, I think I met about 15,000 people, asked like some 10,000 questions and got the information what I need to know. So that's how I brought myself up into the food industry thing. Anyway, coming back to the Shark Tank. So the trade show, whenever I go to a trade show, I will not miss a single opportunity to go contest for any pitch competitions and product uh, competitions and all. We, have, we won many awards. I think some of them are here only. So the, we won many awards in the trade shows. So the fancy food show, uh, we had they had a pitch competition which we won, and that caught the eyes of the producer at Shark Tank, and they reached out to us. And uh, I was at a visa at the time, and they said on a visa you can't come on the tank. This was in two thousand in twenty twenty just of COVID, and they said yeah. let's visit next year. I forgot about it. I was very excited. Then this visa thing happened. I'm like I can't help it. It's my immigration status. What do I do? I've been waiting for my green card for fifteen years. It won't happen in next month. <laughs> so so I like okay. I just left it. In twenty twenty one they re- approached us back again. And at that time my green card is very close. So I, I went to this EAD stage. It's a different immigration stage uh, status. Mm-hmm. And they said we accept that. I'm like. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll start pitching. And I, I missed that initial where you go and pitch in, in the in the auditions and all that stuff. But I went through the next stages. And as you mentioned, the, the pitch, is, pitch is really, really hard. It's not the 15, that sweet 15 minutes that you see on TV. They show, yeah. the, best. They show the best on the TV. The, a lot of, lot of things go on behind the scenes. Uh, our, and my pitch went on for like close to 95 minutes, like about one and a half hour. And uh, it was like, the, the most frustrating part people don't know about on Shark Tank is all five the sh- all five sharks talk to you at the same time. They don't give you a minute to finish your sentence because they want to own the market, right? So yeah, that's, that's kind of the thing. I mean, I can't disclose why the reel didn't go through. I got four offers. I chose Lori Grenier as my shark, and then after that, there's due diligence and all that stuff. I was very truthful, also. I even though I we sold like two to three million spoons by that time. Um, uh, the the revenue was only like hundred on less than two hundred k because our spoons are in cents, not in dollars. So, yeah. so that I was very truthful, and they they realized why is it so less. Well, I told them my focus was food service that takes time, and it because but the market is huge though. US consumes hundred million plastic cutlery per day, per day. Yep. Yeah. The dam is huge. It's nuts. 
but it's 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 going to take some time unfortunately right now there's no ban on plastic except for some cities like i think santa cruz la is going to coming up soon uh so parts of mm-hmm. so we try to concentrate there also yeah and uh, that's that i mean that's a shark tank experience i mean i can't complain on the not winning the deal but i got amazing uh, exposure more than exposure what i loved about shark tank was credibility like uh, on the fun part before shark tank when i reach out to some of these shops like like they used to think i was a spammer or calling and saying edible spoons <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and that's a good point yeah my background didn't help either so uh, so then it's, it's it's very weird because how do you tell someone that some new product is there in the market without knowing them right it's very hard now yeah. a simple thing i just like this is my shark tank video i don't have to make another introduction so that the credibility was a huge boost for me yeah so with with pivoting to uh mainly targeting the food service side how do you plan on marketing to that audience is it mostly like a traditional kind of b2b approach where you're now looking at more of like a sales aspect or are you doing any are you still kind of focusing on the organic marketing side uh a mix of both but heavily so i do have contacts from most of the food service giants like mcdonald's burger king all these like many even yogurt land those medium sized chains i already pitched to mm-hmm. them before covid and during covid also but the timing was not right so i just have to like typical sales channel approach like to reach out to these folks again i have a about 15000 emails from all the trade shows i went to is it more like cold outreach right now but there are some marketing strategies that we are planning to implement for example uh, we have some very wacky ideas i would say like uh, like go put a board on a dustbin did you eat your spoon today at some qsr chains <laughs> so so like some of these things we need some money and people to act on and we want to partner with some schools like high schools kids who are really focused on sustainability mm-hmm. and ask them to campaign on behalf of us to these chains or like yeah. say i mean one of the crazy ideas i have is to put a big ad in front of disneyland gate saying did you eat your spoon uh, mickey or something like <laughs> something like weird otherwise it's very yeah. hard to catch their attention unfortunately Uh, it it yeah. it's very slow also it's not fast to get into those big chains so there are uh, that's that's the i wouldn't say organic more like a like a guerrilla marketing kind of strategy mm-hmm. yep. that I want to implement but it's going to be yeah. it's not going to be easy it's going to be expensive it's going to be hard and uh, and we also Risky. want to <laughs> wanted to use social media in that aspect instead of just asking chains to people to ask chains to get used this we want to do a eat your spoon challenge like remember the als ice bucket challenge long back mm-hmm. uh, where people put ice ice um, and a bucket of ice on their heads to promote that als syndrome uh, yep. uh, to share the knowledge about als syndrome the same thing like i want people to eat your spoon and say hey 100 million plastic cutlery is being used every day as simple as that yeah. and challenge their friends to eat a spoon or eat a straw so something like that we have some ideas it's just that implementing them takes money and time and right now to be frank we are at like the lowest of the lows i in the last 3 months before i was like almost thinking that i have to close this company um because oh, wow. uh, oh another another thing that's very different about us we only raised 200000 in the last 4 years we are self so you kept it yeah. we are self kind of self funded bootstrap so that was a big deal right because you need a lot of money for like cpg or food industry it's not easy uh it's a state So it was going very well for the four years. We didn't have any issues. Uh, we got product once we made money. Then we spent and got product again. Like that's all slowly bootstrap. 
but then last six months ago in July, our machines kind of aged. The molds that we got became really wow. efficient. And now I didn't have that initially. Oh, by the way, the, you know, the way I started the companies, I sold my home in California, made money by selling that home. And I started using that money to boost up my manufacturing and, uh, and myself like sales and marketing. So I didn't have another mm-hmm. home to sell now. So I was like struggling. Where will I get the money to replace the replace the machinery, right? So so we we were like in a in the really bad shape. For four months we didn't have any inventory. Even right now we don't have any inventory on our website. The the yeah, the, the so. product got made just last week. I think it will ship next week and it will reach early March. So uh, we had some challenges. Starting to turn it around. Yep, yep. how it's done. It's not a, it's never a straight hockey stick growth. It never is. It never will be. I wish it was, but it's not. No, people, Uh, I was thinking that, right? Books tell it's a hockey stick. I always think it's like first it goes in a wave and then goes to a hockey stick. So it it always has this ups and downs and then goes up or goes down. Just waiting on it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Dinesh, thank you so much for your time. I don't want to. I don't want to take up too much of your day. I really appreciated you being on the show. I would love to give you the opportunity here, let everyone know where they can find out more about you, and of course, more about Incredible Eats. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Sorry, can you repeat that? I... Let Let everyone know where they can find out about you. Uh, let I didn't. I didn't get you. Your web. Uh, your, so your website. Uh, what i dash eats dot com. No, 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 right. No, no. So sorry, sorry. I, I get it. How How people get to know about us? Okay, we can. They can visit uh, <laughs> incredibleeats dot com. Uh, that's our website, incredibleeats.com or uh, on Amazon. But as I mentioned right now, we don't have any stock. Uh, so please yeah. uh, be patient. Uh, I think we're early March. Give time. Uh, new, new stock ready. And it's uh, much more reasonably priced and the right packaging. Like it's just 50 spoons per box. We either had 100 spoons per box for food service or like 20 spoons per box for retail. But we left both of them and we put a 50 box so people can buy for their parties, birthday parties at home. Or they can buy it for the ice cream shops. Either way, it works for both ways. So we we did a lot of work to make it streamlined and just deep focus on just the product and the cost of the product. And thanks a lot for the, for the opportunity, uh, Andrew. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. To everyone who tuned in, obviously, thank you as well. Please make sure you do the usual rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff on whichever podcast platform you prefer or head over to the ecomshow.com to check out all of our previous episodes. But as usual, thank you all for joining us and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to the Ecom Show. Head over to ecomshow.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on the Blue Tusker YouTube channel. The Ecom Show is brought to you by Blue Tusker, a full-service digital marketing company specifically for e-commerce sellers looking to accelerate their growth. Go to bluetusker.com now for more information. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of The Ecom Show.